Welcome to the Menu Bar. I'm your host, Zach Saichi. This week I am joined by managing editor of long-running Apple blog Tidbits.com to discuss Apple's recent MacBook and iPad event. Here is episode 29, People Seem to Be Liking iPads, with Josh Centers. Welcome to the Menu Bar, a place to relax, talk tech, and drink. Josh, what are you, what are you drinking this morning? Water. Water. Jeez, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going I'm, I'm going for the hard stuff lately on every episode, and uh, and all, all my guests are the lightweights. I don't understand what's going are on. Are you having the Irish coffee this morning? <laughs> I have a Smith & Forge hard cider. Oh, what time is it over there? What time is it right now? It is 9.46 a.m. <laughs> you went straight from teetotaler to alcoholic. I'm impressed. You know what? I'm I'm gonna give yeah exactly I'm gonna give myself a pass today because a couple days ago I was in a massive car wreck so um my neck is still pretty stiff and uh, whatever it's it's nine forty six I got a I got a show to record Josh I they, did, you know. <laughs> did, did you go to the doctor and get your insurance money at least um I'm I. <laughs> Let's just say that's being worked on. <laughs> okay, yeah, work on that. And, and then go to a chiropractor and get your neck cracked. And Either you'll feel better or he'll kill you. Either way, you won't worry about it anymore. So do you, this is the thing, do you trust chiropractors? No, I don't, but I had a horrible headache. Like, it was so bad, like, uh, I understood how, uh, oh, who's, which author off himself because his headaches were so bad. I, I'm... I'm an idiot this morning. Anyway, a Hemingway. Like, it was like a Hemingway-level headache. <laughs> and I went to a chiropractor, and he cracked my neck, and that fixed it. So I hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't trust them, but whatever witchcraft they do seems to work. So right. I'll, I'll do it. Sure. So I'm 50-50 on chiropractors. Like I'm so, so I know a lot of people that it's worked for, but I know just as many people that have gone in for, like, a realignment and – they come out with back trouble for like the next decade, whereas they didn't necessarily have that specific back trouble. And of course, they're 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 sure to tell me that well, you know, the chiropractor just discovered that I had this problem and it was going to come up no matter what. And I'm always a little skeptical of this, um, but you know, it, it is what it is. Medical pr- practitioners, I mean, yeah, I know chiropractors are debatable as being medical practitioners, but uh, look, uh, doctors nearly killed my wife not that long ago. Doctors <laughs> n- nearly killed my dad several times. Uh, you've dealt with this. Doc- there's a lot of bad doctors. Um, you, you know, I, anytime you go to, at least I, I speak for myself, anytime I go to a hospital or a chiropractor or sometimes even a dentist, I know I'm taking my life in my hands. So right. I try to I try to avoid it just in general. You know, not to be a negative Nancy here, but... <laughs> You know, but all I know is I had really a really bad headache, and I felt like it was something in my neck. And the chiropractor, and, and the dude was like a total space alien. Like he's one of the weirdest people I've ever met in my life. But you know what? My my, my head feels better. It worked. So you know what can I say? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, we'll see. I might go see a chiropractor. Everyone is recommending to me that I go to a chiropractor. I've never been to a chiropractor in my life, and um, I am I am scared uh, shitless. I'm more scared of going to a chiropractor than I was actually going through <laughs> the actual accident. 
Well, see, I, I'll tell you what a doctor will tell you, though. Because doc, if you have a neck problem, the doctor will be like, yeah, so we're going to slice you open and fuse a couple of your vertebrae together. <laughs> That's their solution for everything. I've been through this. I went through. I, I dated a girl that had bad back problems. And that's exactly what they did to her. That's what scares me. Like, I, So I don't want to go in and they're like, ooh, insurance money, you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Is that Blue Cross you got there? <laughs> little Cigna? Like, I don't want to say that the world is that way, but, like, the fact is, the world is that way. So, you have to be very cognizant of this stuff. I mean, it's just, like, the fact that uh, even though I was in a massive uh, car wreck and even though I, you know, was just a passenger or whatever, of course the insurance companies are both going to try and settle as quickly as humanly possible. So, you have to, like, advocate for yourself immediately. Yep. Um you know, it should be a situation where something like that, something horrible happens, and your insurance company should just come in and be like, yeah, is it anybody that needs to be taken care of, just take care of it. That's supposed to be the way that insurance works. Instead, it's like that's not how the world actually operates. The world operates in a way that if they can settle for as little money as humanly possible, then they will. And the same is true of, you know, many fields. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> Sure. So I would tell you, honestly, I would probably just, I mean, you know, go to the doctor, get your x-ray, say your neck hurts, because I guarantee you the insurance company is going to pay you some money for that. You know, it's, totally. just, it's just a reality. Totally. Um, and, uh, you know, I would give it like a week or so. It, you, you probably just have a lot of sore muscles, because like um, last time I got rear-ended real bad, I, uh, I, I, I saw it coming. I looked in the rearview mirror, this idiot's barreling toward me at 40 miles an hour. I'm stopped at, a, at an off-ramp. And like I can't move because of traffic, and he's just—he's not slowing down. I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to get boom. And right. so I was, you know, you get you're all tensed up, you get tossed around all over the place. Um, you probably just have a lot of muscle soreness. I mean, yeah, get checked out, make sure you're okay, but it'll, it'll probably you'll probably feel better in a week or two. I will say that when I went in immediately uh, in the aftermath of the crash, the doctor was extremely impressed that I managed to walk away from a. A car flipping across a median and onto a guardrail. <laughs> and you're, you're in a Prius. You're in a Prius. <laughs> right. He was, uh, or actually, it was a she. She was massively impressed. She, you know, all I had was maybe a couple cuts on my hand um, from the glass breaking, uh, you know, with my, my, my you know, passenger window uh, totally you know, cracked and there was glass everywhere. I had a couple scratches and uh, really no actual damage. There was a rod that almost went through my head. If I had been like two inches the other way, Whew. I would definitely be dead. Um, so, it, you know, it was pretty serious business. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I saw the pic. You sent me the picture and I was impressed because that car was, I mean, just destroyed. It was truly totaled. So... I'm also impressed the batteries in that Prius didn't blow up or anything. Yeah, That's the thing so, I'm I mean, always worried about. Apparently new vehicle. I mean, I don't even drive, so uh, I don't know anything. But the, I'm told that the way new cars are assembled is basically to totally get destroyed on impact, but the frame is meant to yep. sort of keep you safe. Um, and this this is proof positive that apparently that is a thing. Um, now, the yeah. air, their air, airbags didn't go off, and it's still kind of being investigated as to whether or not they should have. It seems an awful lot like they should have. I mean, the car was impacted at around 60 miles per hour diagonally. Uh, you know, <laughs> right in front of me, this car came out of nowhere, hydroplaned across the, the freeway. Uh, it all just, you know, it happens super fast, but it seems like the impact alone would cause the airbags to go off. But 
I don't know. It's it's hard to say whether they were supposed to or not, or if the airbags would have made things worse. It's hard to say. You know, a lot of times they can make things worse. And uh, yeah, the these new cars have the crumple zones. Like my, uh, I, I drive a Toyota Corolla most of the time, and I actually had the the rear bumper got ripped off one time because I was driving somewhere I shouldn't have. Like I was visiting a friend who lives on a farm who you have to cross two creeks to get to it. Totally not Corolla territory. This is before <laughs> I had my truck. And anyway, long story short, I, I snagged a rock and it ripped the bumper off. And all that's in that bumper, it's air and styrofoam. It's literally just a bunch of styrofoam right? <laughs> behind the bumper. <laughs> uh, these new cars, man. I don't know. I mean, it's they're probably safer. I mean, I don't know. Do, do people, oh, yeah. is, are the stats on accidents, have they gone, is it injury gone down over time? I bet it has, right? So uh, Hell if I know, man. I, I, have, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, You're the expert, uh, Josh Centers of tidbits.com. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. We do a lot of crash test reporting here. <laughs> I brought you on the show to because I know that you do a lot of testing of uh, crumple areas of new vehicles. <laughs> Yeah, that's a new thing for tidbits, actually. We're getting ready for the Apple car. I've been, I've been slamming cars into brick walls all week, which if I see off today, that's why. All right, I got to interrupt the show for a second to talk to you about LinkedIn. Now, we all know that the right hire can make a huge impact on your business. Even with this show and some of the secret things that we've been doing behind the scenes, it's so important to find the right person. But where am I going to find such an individual? Now, I don't waste my time posting a job on job boards, hoping the right person will find my job. I mean, think about it. How often do you hang out on job boards? Over 70% of the U.S. workforce uses LinkedIn. And of that 70%, most of them don't go looking for a job on job boards for new opportunities. Don't leave finding someone great to chance when you can post your job to a place where people go every day to make connections, grow their career, and discover new job opportunities. I mean, there's a reason why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. When someone truly qualified is looking for new opportunities, they use LinkedIn. That's why I implore you to hurry to linkedin.com slash menu and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash menu to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash menu. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you so much to our friends at LinkedIn and back to the show. Uh, so let's see. There's been a bit of news uh, as of uh, yesterday morning. I, I New version of Windows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, so I was getting the kids off to, off, to, off to school yesterday morning, and I was watching this this thing, this, this uh, keynote that was going on entirely too early. They're, why do they do it in New York? Does anyone know? Does anyone have this inside story as to what, what, why they chose New York? Uh, oh, uh, I knew, I knew they chose the venue because it, it's a famous, um, you know, artist venue. So I mean, it made sense for creatives. But I don't know why they started so early because it was like nine a.m. here, and I was laying in bed. And I was like, well, you know, I probably need to get up. I, I tend to, I tend to lay in bed a little longer on Apple event days just because I'm gonna have a really long day. Right, and then I didn't realize how early this thing was. And I got the notification from Apple because I sent the the thing to their their tutor, and so they sent me a tweet saying, "Oh, the event's about to begin." I'm like, "What? What? Oh hell!" And I rolled out of bed, ran downstairs, got right. in the office, got all my stuff set up. I'm like, "Good grief!" So. Yeah, way too early for an Apple event. Way too early. Yeah, like I mean, it was like seven a.m. here. Um, it was even what is earlier? No, what time was it for you? You're ahead of me, right? Yeah, it was nine a.m. here. Yeah, so seven a.m. for me. I'm just like I'm putting my kids on the bus. I I don't got time for this. I just airplayed it to the Apple TV and was kind of in and out of it. Um, 
But this was, in my opinion, kind of the most exciting uh, keynote that they've had in some time, just because it's so, so on one hand, it's like they they went through a list of things that people just really, really wanted to have happen. So we finally got the Retina, you know, MacBook Air. Um, which people have been wanting forever. Of course, it doesn't quite deliver on anyone's expectations, but whatever does. Um, and and we got, you know, finally, after however many years, five years, something like that, uh, we finally got an update to the Mac Mini. So they're kind of going down this list of things that people just want really bad, and here, we, here you go, Thro- kind of throwing people a bone. Um, but then we got this radically desi- redesigned uh, iPad, which... I have had a little bit of somewhat inside info about for quite a while. I pretty much kind of knew more or less what we were getting. You know, there's going to be basically a giant iPhone 10 without a notch and a new pencil and a fixed charging method <laughs> for, for the pencil. Um, and it's pretty, pretty exciting stuff. There's a lot to kind of uh, pick apart, I feel like, with this new iPad. Yeah, I, I bought the ten and a half inch last year, and I totally picked the wrong time to buy an iPad because if right. I'd waited just a little bit, I could have gotten the three hundred twenty nine dollar one and used my Apple Pencil with it, or I could have waited this long and got this thing. Although this new one's actually a lot more expensive. The ten and a half inch was six forty nine. This one starts at seven ninety nine, and yeah. it goes up to for the twelve point nine inch goes up to nine ninety nine. So it's uh, everything's going up. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the prices going up on Apple products lately? Do you think do you think they're just being malicious or do you think that there are reasons behind this? I don't think it's maliciousness. I think what it is is I think they've saturated their available market at least for the time being. So they're doing the only thing uh they can do and that's raising their average selling price as far as they can. So let me tell you what I've been told about this. So there's there's been a lot of um, consternation in the community about rising prices, rising ASP. So what I've been told, and I don't know how true this is, um, is that with all this tariff stuff that's going on and with, uh, you know, inflation and, and all sorts of things, uh, the, real, the, the reality is that the ASPs on these devices are going up. But the margins are kind of staying similar. That's what I've heard. So I've heard that this is kind of just the reality of what it costs to build these products now. Um, And that they're kind of doing their best to, you know, keep things more or less stable. But the reality is that kind of everybody's prices are going up. So if you look across, uh, across the divide to other products, similar products from other companies, you'll notice that their prices are going up too. This is not unique to Apple. Um, it always looks as though Apple is galvanizing, every, you, know, you know, totally just jacking up the prices uh, because they are a premium brand and their stuff is always more expensive by default. Um, and you know the market is saturated, right? With you know two hundred dollar Chromebooks or whatever. Um, so every time Apple distances itself even a little bit up from where they're already at, which is you know already expensive, um, it looks like they're just jacking up prices. But from what I've heard, they have they have reasons, and it's not you know it's not about so yes on one hand the the like maybe the growth isn't quite there although the growth is pretty good um growth hasn't exactly like 
you know, gone in the toilet. They're still they're still growing uh, the iPhone iPad is still doing extremely well. Mac is actually doing better than it ever has been, despite all the consternation in the community. So, um, I don't know. I kind of think that the rising prices and the, you know, whatever, I think it's just kind of the current economic realities. Yeah, I don't really buy that. Uh, I follow Apple's... Of course you don't, uh... centers. (laughs) Well, I don't because I follow Apple's quarterly reports uh, every quarter for over five years now. And so I I see all these trends. I I knew they were going to start raising prices for the simple reason that their uh, units sold have not increased much. Uh, If you look at a graph of it, it's, it's basically been flat. For years now, and they got in some real trouble. Uh, a couple, was, I, th- I want to say it was 2015, 2016, when when they actually started sliding back a little bit in terms of overall growth. But now, what you see happening is their their units stay the same, but their their revenue keeps going up and up, and and now they're having double digit growth again based on skyrocketing revenue. Mm. So I, um, it, it might play a factor, and also you're just not seeing these kind of. Uh, pri- drastic price increases uh, among their competitors as much. Like for instance, you mentioned the two hundred dollar Chromebooks; those aren't just skyrocketing. You know, it's like, oh, now it's a four hundred dollar Chromebook. Although you, know, you can spend wherever you want in a Chromebook. Uh, so I don't entirely buy that. I think a lot of this is is a way to um, extract more growth from the existing customer base. See, I'm trying to put it in a way that doesn't sound super cynical. I'm not saying Apple's, you know, squeezing a turnip. You're saying, to get more you're blood saying out of it. Apple is evil. I get it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. A- yeah, Apple's evil, and they're doomed. They're evil and doomed. Totally doomed. I mean, they've sold, you know, like what they what, what were the numbers they put out on this keynote though? They've sold like four hundred million iPads, um, which is a super yeah. interesting number uh, for all sorts of reasons. So it turns out they're actually selling more iPads than any you know than any computer vendor sells of any one computer, um, and that's that's pretty pretty good. Uh, you know, you'd think that given the amount of sort of hate out there for iPad that it must not be doing so well. But it's kind of the opposite. The The reality is that the iPad is, you know, marching along and still doing uh, extremely well. And it looks like the iPad Pro has kind of accomplished its mission of, uh, you know, sort of getting into the hands of more people that want to use it as their, you know, full-on computer. Yeah, I think that $329 iPad helps a lot, too, especially now that it supports the Apple Pencil. Totally. Now, you know, there's... There's a lot of Apple products I'll, I'll kind of you know, poo-poo on, but now the $329 iPad I think is a legitimately great value. If yeah. you look at the Android world, the Chrome tablet world, for whatever it is, and even the Windows tablet world, uh, you, there's nowhere else you're going to get quite that much for 300 bucks. Right. I think the, the $329 iPad is probably the best bang-for-buck value uh, in a computer that you can probably get today. And I say that with only a little bit of hesitation in that if you are someone who is super reliant on web apps, and God help you if that's the case, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, if you're super reliant on web apps or whatever, then yeah, a Chromebook is going to suit you better. But if uh, actually, you know, all you need is to be able to access um, Office or even Google's you know, suite of, of uh, you know, office applications or whatever. Um, there are apps for those things. And an iPad pretty much, you know, is is, is good enough. And it's, it's actually quite a bit faster than 
you know, anything in the uh, similar in that price bracket. Yeah, that's one thing I wish they would, uh, and maybe they'll do this with iOS 13. I wish they had a full-featured web browser on the iPad, something that mm-hmm. has extensions and plugins and stuff. I have a theory about why they don't do that, but, uh, you know, that's probably well, another conversation. Well, no, actually, let's get into it. So, this, so here's the problem. The second that they add a browser that has, uh, you know, full-on support for a desktop browsing experience... There are a few problems. Um, the web, you know, f- for the most part, is designed with a either two things in mind: either you know, mobile on an iPhone, or for a uh, desktop with, uh, you know, with a mouse and a keyboard. Um, and the reality is that it's not going to be a great experience um, just having desktop browsing on an iPad. Now, would it solve a number of problems for a number of people? Probably. But you're also going to have a lot of stuff that's actually way, way broken because you're going to have all this stuff that's expecting mouse input. And then you're trying to, you know, uh, nudge it with your finger and it's not going to work. Um, so you're going to be like left with the same problem, roughly, you know, just adding desktop browser support is kind of not quite everything that you need. At the very least, I feel like you need to also have mouse support. Mm, yeah, but this, uh, I mean, there's touchscreen Windows computers and, and this stuff, and that, that has a full web browser. Do they work well, Josh? Do they really work well? Yeah, they work okay. They I mean, work, look, They work okay. Not I, I mean, there's an asterisk by it because you're using Windows, and I've been trying to use Windows 10 on my MacBook Pro lately because I'm awful that way. I've been doing the same thing with uh, Boot Camp. Right, right, yeah, say, yeah, Boot Camp here. And, and Boot, oh man, talk about a lousy experience, what Boot Camp is. But, uh, you know, there are people who, though, who use Windows every day and they use these touchscreen uh, laptops, and it works fine for them, and it doesn't seem horribly broken. So I don't see any reason why they couldn't do this with the iPad, especially for the Pro model. I could see not doing it on the 329 iPad, and that'd also be another way to distinguish the $800 iPad from the $300 iPad, right? Like you get, you know, basic iOS Safari on the 329 iPad. You know, you get a full, you know, full featured Safari on the more expensive one. Still feel like you got to at least have mouse support before you can even think to do that. But um... so they got USB C now. They could totally do mouse support. Yeah, well, that's some, so. That's another thing we can kind of get into is now. So now we've got US USB C. So, um, what do you think that they're moving to USB C across the entire product line, or do you think this is just a one off for uh, their sort of, you know, more pro oriented uh, offerings? No, I, th- I think it's the latter. I don't see an iPhone with Lightning anytime soon. If nothing else, USB-C takes up just a little bit more space than Lightning does. It, but I think USB-C helps distinguish this iPad Pro as a professional model. This is something you can hook a hub up to and connect different peripherals to. And they'll probably keep Lightning on the cheaper iPad. Again, because they've had a real hard time, I think, over the past year trying to distinguish the 10.5-inch iPad from the uh, 9.7-inch iPad. Because it's like, okay, what's really the big difference here? One has a special clicky keyboard and one doesn't you know it's not 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 that big of a difference it's kind of like the difference though between the you know the mac mini and an imac Mm. well see that's interesting because i've actually been doing some comparisons because i was hearing some people yesterday saying oh don't 
why would you get the Mac Mini when you know you get the iMac? And uh, I was just recording a, a video for my YouTube channel where I was actually comparing those two because Apple does offer a handy Mac comparison tool. You can compare two Macs side by side and and see what works better for you. And you do get a lot more processing power as well as uh, some degree of upgradability with a Mac Mini than you do with an iMac. So that is uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for the niche market that wants a Mac Mini still, which I, I think that's probably a very much a shrinking market, I don't think the iMac's going to do the job for you. Yeah. So I think I think opposite. I think that Apple is definitely going to go USB-C across the whole product line. I think that this is sort of the beginning of the, a wider transition in which we're going to see USB-C iPhones, USB-C uh, even on the, the lower end uh, iPad. Um I think it comes down to, you know, Lightning was sort of created out of necessity because there were certain things they wanted to get USB to do. Um, and, you know, those and they had to make a proprietary connector in order to do that. So one way of reading that is that Apple has to create proprietary connectors in order to collect a licensing fee on anything that is Lightning based. Right. And they, they've done this for a very long time and going back to 30 pin connectors. However, the other side of it is that actually Lightning is something they had to do before the uh, USB spec could get to a point where you could basically throw anything at it that they that they need it to do, um, and it would work. Um, so I don't think it's I don't personally think it's about you know the space requirements or anything like that. I personally think that they're actually now at a point where they are looking at transitioning every product over to USB-C out of pure pragmatism. It's sort of like you know they could have kept a proprietary connector on the side of MacBooks, um, you know, like MagSafe or whatever. Uh, but they didn't. They decided to, you know, just switch everything everything over to USB C. Um, Apple can be pretty pragmatic in the end if something just if something works the way they want it to. I feel like that's kind of what's going on with USB C. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right because I would really have USB C and everything because totally. I, yeah. I, Lightning cables are terrible in the first place, and I already carry USB C to charge my MacBook Pro and my Switch. So if I could plug my iPad in, uh, I'm sorry, my iPhone in, uh, that would be great. But see, I wonder though, see if they're if that's where they were going. Why not do that with the iPhone 10? Because that's like future phone. Why not do that with the 10s, which they, they could have done this year, or even the 10s Max. So this is another one of those things I've heard something about, but like, so like, it turns out that there's only so many uh, USB-C connectors in the world, and Apple is already buying up like most of them. So uh, something I've heard again, like the reason for why you know Microsoft is having difficulty putting USB-C in, say, the higher end uh, surface, has to do purely with like. Uh, supply chain logistics and right now apple's buying up a ton of the of the usb-c parts um and you'll you'll notice that it's kind of like this across the industry some some companies have it some companies don't and it kind of comes down to who can uh get the orders in that's what i've been hearing and as Mm. far as far as the iphone well you're not so you're not talking about shipping um you know tens of you know Maybe potentially tens of millions of iPads it won't be even that high, right? For this new iPad, it'll probably be in the in the you know low millions at first, and eventually it'll grow. But they're they're not shipping anything close to the scale of the iPhone. And so every time they put a new part in the iPhone, you're talking about they have to scale that. They have to think, oh, we don't just need ten million of those. We need a friggin' a hundred million of those, right? Right now. And so if they can't put 100 million of that thing into the iPhone, it doesn't go in. It's sort of like the camera lens situation, 
where yeah they they could have the same lens as the as the Pixel 3 but the reality is that you know Google can get away with having that lens in that phone uh, at a at the slow scale that they that they ship that phone whereas Apple needs 100 million of them right now right <laughs> like this is something right. that people don't really factor into these equations so i think the same is probably true of the usb c situation i think they might have transitioned this year but the reality is that it's super difficult to actually scale any part to that degree and right now usb c is still early and we're kind of in the middle of one of those awkward apple transitions where it's just going to take a little bit it's going to take them a little bit to get the scale for the, for usb c um and uh, before they can you know scale it out to the rest of the line at least that's my ongoing theory maybe i'm totally wrong maybe they're going to have this crazy weird situation in the future where half of their products are lightning and half of them are USB-C. I don't see that i think i think apple is actually trying to transition everything over to USB-C. yeah I mean, it's a good point about scale i know that's one of the reasons why the the design didn't change much between the iphone 6 and the iphone 8 because they just there, there were so many things they couldn't retool, at mm. least not easily. So, so they kept the, the same boring design. And then when they did the iPhone 10, they launched the iPhone 10 alongside the 8 and 8 Plus. So you get last year's phone design, or you can have this smaller scale futuristic design, and that let them ramp up to the 10s yeah. and 10s Max. I mean, I don't like to use the scale argument as an excuse or a crutch for Apple, but the reality is every single little thing that Apple does with any one of their products... You're talking about scales that other companies don't deal with. Even in Apple's niche products, which don't sell as well as the iPhone, this, you're still talking about incredible scale, let alone the iPhone, right? When you think about the iPhone, it's just bonkers to try to wrap your mind around. Every single one of those parts, we're talking like 200-plus suppliers that, of parts that go into the iPhone. Every single one of those parts, every little piece, needs to be scaled at something like you know 100 to 200 million. It's it's absolutely bonkers to try to wrap your head around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a unique challenge for Apple. Uh, it, 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 yeah, sometimes it is kind of used as a weird excuse. Like I, I'm trying to think. There's some, I know there's some things you and I were laughing about. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, like there'll be things like, oh, this button's broken. Oh, we just don't understand the scale that Apple's working at. I'm like, it's a software button. Just fix the stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes it can be used as kind of a silly excuse, but at the same time, I think there is a reality where it is actually super freaking difficult to scale a product at this at this level right we ran into this with the macbook situation uh where where, where keyboards were failing and whatever it's like it, there there were lots of reasons behind that and i'm not gonna get into every one of them because i know some stuff there but <laughs> um the the you know the fact is it's just really hard to do this stuff you know and sometimes you sometimes you have to just kind of put your tail between your legs and issue the the extended warranty or whatever because things go wrong you know luckily nothing's gone that wrong with the iphone so far um but anyway so let's let's get back into this 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 ipad um all right so do you think do, do you think that this is do you think this is the one josh centers do you think that this is mm. this is the one that's going to change the whole story no, it's not. And, uh, <laughs> well, it's a, simple, it's a nice piece of hardware, but the problem, and a lot of people on Twitter have pointed this out, the problem is the software. 
you know, iOS is fine, and, and they improved it a lot uh, last year in terms of the iPad. But it, there's still so much that you can do with a Mac or Windows or something right. that you cannot do with iOS. And it's it's hard to really uh, explain this to somebody unless they've actually experienced it. Like I know you experienced this yourself because you spent some time trying to do everything on an iPad. I did. And then you got a MacBook for the first time in a few years. And I remember you saying, how the hell did I ever do anything on that iPad? <laughs> 100%. No, and totally. And I, I, I actually think there's a pretty big segment of our end, uh, our little pool of the of the tech community, the sort of the Apple tech community. And there's a lot of people that sort of give themselves more of a headache than than is necessary. Now, more power to them. They find wicked cool ways of of, of figuring out, you know, <laughs> uh, crazy shortcuts around things. However, I do think they give themselves more of a headache than is necessary. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, like, dude, just use a MacBook or do just use an iMac, whatever. Like, there's there's a lot of, and that that's kind of where I found myself with the iPad. I found myself in a situation where it's like, I'm actually trying to force this thing to do all sorts of things that it really just can't do that well. This, what we're doing right now being one of those things podcasting mm-hmm. setups are just um you know it's totally doable but it's totally not ideal uh, and it, it's like mm-hmm. you just save yourself so much headache by just using a tra- traditional computer and, that, and that's not a knock against the ipad so i found out two things when i when i switched back away from ipad and i actually literally sold the thing so i didn't have it for a while um, one, wow, it's amazing being able to use a Mac again, and I um, can do everything so much easier, and there's a ton of things that, that the Mac opens up that I just simply was not able to do for my iPad. On the other hand, I really missed my iPad Pro. And the, so the few things that my iPro, iPad Pro did better than my Mac, I really found myself missing, whether it was casually browsing the web whether it was watching stuff on Netflix, I'm totally going to count content consumption as a legit like use case for the iPad. Sure. People, people dismiss it, and I think actually that's not it's not really quite fair. Like content consumption is a crazy amount of what any of us do. Um, and the other thing I missed was the pencil. I just really, really like. There's just nothing even close to the experience of being able to draw on an iPad. And I understand that's not for everybody, but for me personally, I really missed. Like, you know, doing sketches and doing uh, rough draft design work, um, you know, starting on an iPad or even in some cases finishing stuff on an iPad. Um, You know, it's actually a really, really great tool for a certain set of things. And it's even better than a Mac for a certain set of things. But, uh, yeah, I did ultimately find myself in a position where it's like I am doing, you know, most of my heavy lifting tasks still on a Mac. And I've kind of come over to the the bizarre Phil Schiller side of this equation where I think he said, uh, you know, you don't have to choose. And everyone, you don't have to choose between these products. You could just have both. It's not a problem. Or you could just have one or the other and more power to you either way. I've kind of gone to that side of the fence recently. Um, if only because I just don't see a scenario in which the iPad just takes over every single task but there are certain areas where an ipad is absolutely better is it like kind of a luxury thing to be able to own both absolutely um but it's not that much of a luxury thing like like we talked about you can get a 329 dollars ipad that's got pencil support 
won't be the latest pencil, but it, you know it's, it's still pretty good. And uh, now now you can get a, a Mac Mini for the low low price of seven ninety nine. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So you know the thing with the Mac Mini. Yeah. I mean, in terms, if you're speaking strictly in terms of the Mac OS universe. Uh, it's kind of hard to beat if you want that specific thing. But yeah, in terms totally. of like the overall computing universe, it's a joke. I could, I, I don't even have to build a PC that could smoke that thing. I could go to Best Buy right now, plop down six hundred bucks, and buy like a CyberPower PC that would just destroy that thing right. in any task. <laughs> but it's not going to come in a cute little uh, aluminum package, Josh Centers. It's, it's, right. it's, it's not going to no. be. It's not going to be the same. But you have a window on your case, though. You don't have a window on the Mac Mini case. That's true. That is true. How many LEDs does that Mac Mini have? Hmm. Hmm. It's, it's got just the one. Just the one. You you do have a good just point. Just the one. Just the one little white LED. I think they should make translucent Mac Minis. That's just me. I think. <laughs> I think translucent Mac Minis with like a little neon light going across the top would be super cool, and it should be purple. Um, and I would buy that. You know, here's what's wild. I'm using a Chinese knockoff mechanical keyboard, and and this is it's copying the style of gaming. Key- gaming keyboards are all about the rainbow LEDs now. Oh gosh, right? yeah, yeah. You yeah. got like the blue to red and all that stuff. I'm surprised Apple hasn't done that because hasn't Apple? They got the Pride Band. They got the Pride Apple Watch mm. face. Why don't they? Why don't they have the Pride Mac? You have the Pride Mac keyboard. That is a good point. Actually, I think I think that would be super cool. I think I think they should totally do it. But the thing is, that would there's no functional reason to do it. And Apple's again, they're very pragmatic in the end. They do stuff that's functional. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first person probably in history to, to accuse Apple of being completely pragmatic. <laughs> well, I think I, th- I think that they're far more pragmatic than people give them credit for, right? Like I think that's how you get to some of what we see as some of their bizarre decisions. It's like where where are we gonna? How are we gonna charge this pencil? How are we going to do it? And at the end of the day, they're just like, oh, we'll put a cap on the end. It'll have a lightning thing. I'll just stick it in the... Stick it in the... Your iPad will have a cyber boner. That's how we're going to fix that. Right. And uh, and so I've... And so speaking of the new iPad uh, and something that I'm super happy that they fixed, you know, and I, I tweeted uh, last night, I said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss this charging method. And immediately it got like 300 likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so clearly, I wasn't alone in feeling that the the pencil sticking out the bottom of the iPad, you know, that was not the most ideal thing. And actually, even a couple people from from Apple let me know, yeah, we're happy that we're not doing that anymore. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, like the way to do this was going to be some kind of way, some kind of you know, wireless charging. Just stick the pencil to the side of the iPad, let it charge. Super cool, great! I'm so glad they fixed this. Yeah, finally, uh, you know, and, and the way it's done now it seems a lot more Apple-ish to me than the old way. So oh. I, I, I'm hoping it was just some kind of technical difficulty, and it wasn't just Johnny I being super stubborn or. And, and see, I, I think Lightning overall. This is proving that Lightning was a mistake because there's almost no application for Lightning where wireless or USB-C wouldn't be a lot better. Now, granted, those weren't you know as available or in the case of USB-C were available when lightning was first introduced. But, uh, anyway. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a bizarre thing. There's been a couple of these decisions that Apple's made design wise that have just been, you know, sort of beyond reason. 
Uh, and the, the, the two that always come to mind are is the way that the pencil charges. And then also that, that mouse and having to flip it on its back. And, and now, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but it, again, it comes back to that, like that pragmatism and like ultimately you got a ship. Now, do I think that those two things would have shipped under, say, Steve Jobs? Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I Overall, I don't like to play that game because there are plenty of weird things that shipped under Steve Jobs. It's not beyond reason that, that they could have, but he would have been screaming at them about it, <laughs> even if they did ultimately right. ship it. Um, right. And, and and I sort of look at it like, well, ultimately, they are doing the right thing. Ultimately, like, okay, we only had to deal with that version of the pencil for a bit, and now we've got the good one. Uh, as for why they didn't do it, uh, you know, I know this sounds silly, but probably uh, because the side of the iPad wasn't flat, and they just literally could not think of a way to uh, wirelessly stick the pencil to the iPad. Uh, it was probably something as simple as that. Um Whereas now it's like okay now now the side of the iPad is flat and we can we can do this we just flatten out the pencil to some degree uh, one side of it and uh, you know now you, now you can stick to the side and you know it's uh, it's just design stuff right it's just uh, trying to figure out what makes the most sense at the time and realistically as bad as that old charging method was it did work. And it only took like thirty seconds to charge your damn pencil, right? Like you're not you're not yeah. leaving the pencil in there forever. Um, you know, sometimes you might in order to charge the pencil all the way, but you know, it's it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. And I haven't heard of a single incident of someone actually breaking their pencil off on the iPad. Um, have you? I, I have never actually heard of that happening. Surprisingly, no. Right. As it, you'd think it'd be a lot more common. No, I, th- I think honestly, and it's like you said, it, it didn't take that long to charge. So as stupid as the boner method was... <laughs> It was super convenient. <laughs> yeah, and it you know it, it worked. Uh, I think it was a lot more egregious that the pencil was completely round. Totally, I did not realize how obnoxious that would be until the first time I sat it down on my desk. It just rolls off the desk. It just I can't, it's like a running gag. The number one thing I can't wait for on this new iPad is just being able to use a pencil that I'm not going to lose as easily. Uh, I'm not going to lose a cap. There is no cap, thank God. And uh, yeah, the pen. So and the pencil is the number one. Uh, I've always I've I've been a fan of about the iPad Pro is the is the pencil, and I'm just glad they finally you know got 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 their shit together on this one. And uh, <laughs> you know um, the the new folio case looks looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, as much as you spend for it, it, it better be. It starts at 180, goes gosh, up to 200. Yeah. The, the, so these cases, man. Uh, so I can justify. Uh, I can justify the price of the iPad itself. I can justify maybe even the price of this pencil, but I have a hard time justifying the price of these of these cases. Um, hundred eighty dollars seems pretty egregious in my opinion, but um, you know I'm sure they have I'm sure that they have their reasons, and maybe there's something I'm not seeing about that. Well, at the very least, this one covers the back as well as the front. The old one just covered the front, right? And it was still about hundred eighty bucks, if I recall. I think it was was a one thirty. I want to say. I think it's a little more expensive. Like at least one sixty nine. I think. Okay, now I gotta look this up. Uh, iPad, smart keyboard. Cover. This is this is the, always the best part of a show is when we look things up. Because <laughs> well, um, I bought one of these. It's oh, you're rise one fifty nine. Yeah, so. totally expensive. So now it's gone up by twenty bucks. Rising ASP. Okay. Woohoo! 
Um, <laughs> you know, it, co- it, it costs at least that much to cover the back as well. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the material don't grow on trees, kid. <laughs> right. Um, so, okay. So... Steve Trotton Smith has has kind of been on this on this band bandwagon on Twitter of basically saying, so Apple has a habit with the iPad of creating hardware that is kind of like meant for the next version of the operating system, almost as if the hardware division is working at a faster pace than their software division, and there's a little bit of a disconnect. So, I mean, do you think that this is a situation where this iPad was kind of created with the next version of iOS in mind? I hope so, because uh, iOS 12 was super boring, and uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's it's got some improvements, absolutely right. Like it's you got the the fact that it improves performance on older phones, and you know uh, the shortcut stuff, which is great for nerds, basically only. But <laughs> but, but as a guy as a guy who sells a, an iOS book every every fall, yeah, it didn't right. really work that great for me. Gotcha. Yeah. No, Apple, you need. <laughs> <laughs> screw stability improvements yeah. we need more features yeah. that i can S- super unstable i want you to redesign every aspect of it <laughs> make it as confusing as possible right please make this as unstable as possible so you can sell more books uh i yeah no it, it was i so it wasn't it's a it was a necessary release there was a lot of course correction and under the hood things that they had to do right but, absolutely yeah uh but in terms of the ipad We've all kind of heard that there are things going on. The like they're you know they're sort of rethinking the springboard. They're kind of rethinking, maybe even including uh, mouse support for the iPad, which would be super interesting. I think that, I think that the sort of extra mile to go for a number of people out there is just like I really want an iPad that just has a damn cursor on the screen. It doesn't have to be perfect. I just want a damn cursor, you know, uh, just because it's the way that people are are comfortable. Uh, working, um, you know, for a lot of people, it doesn't matter. Clearly, right? They've sold over four hundred million without <laughs> mouse support, um, and I'm sure it'll still truck along just fine without mouse support. But uh, it does seem like the writing's kind of on the wall. You know, they, now you can plug in an external monitor, and it's kind of unclear why you would do that. Uh, like in a video editing scenario, I can kind of see it, and uh, maybe in a scenario where you're messing around with music and you've got one set of things up on this the one screen and you've got another you've got the controls uh you know on on your sort of like a ds type thing um so there's situations where i can see it making sense but like the real value proposition i think of plugging a ipad directly into a monitor would be as if you could have keyboard and mouse support that or also i think a lot of this ipad i think a lot of the design is based around photoshop i i think they work pretty closely with with adobe here because i could see like you know if you're zooming in on a picture and you're editing you know at the pixel level and you you need a lot you need to see a lot more than just what's on your ipad because what what it looks like is it looks like it's just mirroring right it's not like you have an extra desktop or something it's just gonna be screen mirroring so uh that's really the only use case i see i think i i think it's um so in the couple examples i saw it looked to me like like if you so if you're editing a movie in like iMovie, it looked to me like you're getting a monitor out basically for what you're scrubbing through on the iPad. So th- mm. there are there are some cool, interesting, I think, uh, use cases for plugging an iPad up to a up to a monitor. 
for doing a whole set of tasks that are probably better accomplished on a Mac right now. But <laughs> it's cool, super cool, that these things are starting to be available on on the iPad. Um, but it does it does definitely seem like uh, it's kind of the direction we're going is we're going to kind of get a get get to a point where the iPad is a device that can kind of accept almost any input, and it started with touch. And now, now we're getting into the pencil. Uh, we've also got a little bit of voice stuff. And sort of the next thing is like retroactively adding mouse support back in, which is a lot easier to do in that direction than it is to add touch to a Mac, I believe. Um, you know, just because you're dealing with on a Mac, you have to totally re rethink the way the whole UI works, and this is something they've bumped into with Windows. Is that uh, it's it's like yeah, you can do touch across Windows uh, in a desktop mode, and you can kind of do touch with almost any UI element, but it doesn't work that great. It's not a great experience. Well, it's not like you could just take iOS apps and just slap them on a Mac and just ship it as is. That would be crazy. Right. But I do think you could <laughs> I do think you could get away with putting mouse support into iOS a lot easier than 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 putting touch support into a Mac. Well, we've kind of seen what that can look like because uh, Android supports a mouse cursor. And, uh, you know, so I, I've seen uh, some... It's been a long time since I've used anything Android. But, of course, they do have some Android desktops. And uh, back when I used an Android phone, there were actually some times I would actually see the cursor because uh, that was back when... the Actually, the touch support in Android wasn't that great because uh, they didn't really add it until after they saw the iPhone. And up to that point, it was all based on using, like, a scroll ball or, or some kind of directional pad. And uh, so, yeah, we, we also, we've also seen it in iOS already, too, because... Because uh, of course the uh, the text selection, like uh, in iOS 12, if you press in, uh, you hold the uh, space bar, you can move the cursor right. around. So you already you have a little bit of that already. So I don't think it would be that crazy to to uh, expand that a little bit more. I mean, even in the in the home screen. But now in iOS 13, they keep saying they're gonna. I mean, the rumor mill is they're gonna redesign the home screen. At least that's what German was saying, and they they held off on that for iOS 12 to work in stability. So I wonder if that new home screen, especially in the iPad, might be a little more uh, cursor pointer friendly. Yeah, I mean, it certainly. I mean, so it wouldn't honestly surprise me to um, see iOS 13 on iPad and kind of you wind up getting something closer to a desktop where you've got all your applications and stuff sort of in the dock and. Now all of a sudden you're able to drag stuff around onto a desktop, right? Whether that's um, something kind of like widgets, or even uh, you know just straight up having files sitting all over the all over the place on a desktop. This is something. Zach, you just invented Android. I did. <laughs> I did. It just it wouldn't surprise me to see um, to see it kind of gain some kind of a little bit more desktopy sort of environment, but. It'd be super interesting. I would kind of like to see something totally new that we've just never seen before, which is always risky. But um, you know, given the fact that they're inventing this stuff without the baggage of legacy, um, I, I I hope that they're taking kind of new approaches and rethinking the wheel a little bit. Because uh, I already have a Mac, and frankly, I'll continue to do you know Mac tasks on a Mac. What I'm really interested in with, in with iPad is what ways can iPad be better than my Mac. Right, and and I think I think there's a certain set of things in in terms of uh, you know pro software for 
um, you know, content creation. I, I think there's a number of areas where the iPad could really grow or even work in tandem with a Mac. Um, and that's the kind of that, like, I, that's the stuff I really want to see. Um, mm-hmm. I, as far as like this idea of like, I, you know, wanting it to totally replace a PC, you know, people that are stuck using uh, a, a PC right now or some kind of desktop environment for their work, uh, an iPad is just probably never going to work for them. And it, it takes until people dying to, in order for, uh, you know, paradigms like that to change. Um, and there's also certain realities, like it's just it's still going to be easier to code on on a PC, just no matter what. There's almost some, almost nothing they can do on iPad to, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe by next year there will be people developing iPhone and iPad apps on iPads. But it it feels super unlikely. It looks seems like we still got a couple more years of of you know massive updates to go before we can get to that point. Yeah, I don't see the PC, and by PC I'm including the Mac and that, I don't see that form factor going anywhere ever because uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And, and, I mean, there is there is clearly, I think, a market desire for tablets. You, you know, you can't exactly have, have a desktop PC sitting in your lap while you're watching TV. Right. Uh, you, you know, the tablet has its place. And, you know, likewise, I would much rather draw, I'm not. I'm a terrible drawer, <laughs> but I would much rather draw on an iPad than on some Wacom tablet on, totally. on a desktop PC. So, I mean, it, it, it solves problems, and, and they all have their place. And I think this idea that, Oh, the tablet is the future. is is kind of it's a little bonkers. I think it's a little it's a little pie in the sky. Yeah. Well, let's go back to actually. You know, Steve Jobs famously made the truck and car analogy, right? In the beginning, mm-hmm. there were trucks, and then there were cars, and then there were less trucks. It's, well, so actually, going to the net analogy, that is actually kind of more or less what's played out. So most people don't really need this stuff. Most people don't need an iPad, and most people don't even really need a PC. Most people are driving cars. They have they have their phone, um, but trucks exist, right? And um, in that analogy, it's like trucks don't go away. There's just sort of less of them, and they become more specialized for a very specific set of tasks. And they get better and better at doing those things, at moving, at moving things around. Uh, is is sort of the whole point of trucks, and I think you know, I, I think it's gonna, everything's gonna be okay. Things do not actually need to kill each other in order to be relevant, or um, in in order to be relevant, or to have a place in the world. Um, I don't know where the mentality comes from. I guess it's because we we saw the iPhone and how many industries the iPhone decimated. And we're all like waiting for the thing that's going to decimate more industries. And the fact is the phone is still on the march of decimating industries. And that's the device that's still on a march of becoming like one to one with every person on the planet. And we're not going to see anything else like that. It's just not going to happen. Uh, in my lifetime, there is never going to be something um, as, as transformative to the world as the phone. And uh, I think to expect that from the iPad is kind of just totally ridiculous. Realistically, what we're talking about with iPad is it is a blown up version of the phone. And for a whole lot of people, that's the, you know, that's the extent of truck they need. And for people that need to do slightly more heavy lifting, they'll go and they'll get a PC. And that's going to be okay. Everyone will get through this. We'll get through it together. And 
<laughs> like it doesn't need to be a thing where something has to replace all of the other things. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Ford F-150 is still the best-selling vehicle in the world. I think it is at least the best-selling vehicle in the United States. Yeah. So it's it's not like the truck got supplanted by the car. You know, the truck's as popular as this ever. analogy just doesn't even really work. But right, it's, it's kind of <laughs> dumb. Well, yeah, no, I, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see the PCs going anywhere. Uh, but I also don't see the iPad going anywhere either. Mm-hmm. But then people, you know, and here's the thing: is people keep wanting to look for the next smartphone. Like, what's the next big thing? Look, here's the thing. When you see it, you're not going to recognize it. Right. Like, when we, when we saw the iPad, I, I, I don't think there's very many people that said, oh, yeah, well, this is going to change everything. I, I Look, I'll be the first to admit, when I saw the iPhone, I'm like, boy, it looks like kind of dumb. I mean, it looks neat, but $600, no one's going to pay $600 for a phone. Everyone kind of collectively had the Steve Ballmer reaction. Even people that kind of believed in it were like, yeah, but it is pretty darn expensive. And, like, I, right. I, I'm not convinced that everybody needs this. Well, and because that first version was not the best product. It was very expensive. Uh, it didn't have 3G, so the, the network was super slow. It didn't have copy and paste. There's a lot of basic stuff it didn't have. But, of course, Apple, iter- and that's another important thing to remember Apple, too. Their first generation of anything usually sucks. I mean, the first Mac was pretty bad. The first Apple Watch was pretty bad. Um, you know, they get a lot better over time. But that's the thing. You're not going to see these big shifts when they happen. You're going to yeah. look in the past and say, oh, well, that changed everything. Now, two Apple Apple's credit when they do uh, tend to introduce like a new a new product category, and so like we look re- you know retrospectively and say, well, it was kind of bad in the first version. To their credit, uh, every other company that puts out a bad first version of something uh, that tends to not go anywhere. Whereas Apple, um, and because of the way they relentlessly iterate things to get it right. Um, they actually tend to be able to follow through like the watch is the perfect example. Um, it was totally like, you know, it, it was a little schizophrenic in terms of they, they didn't quite know how to position it. They knew some, some really smart stuff going in. They knew it had to have a fashion angle. They knew that health was going to be a big part of it. Um, but they got some things wrong. They kind of over-indexed on the on the app side of things, and 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 it uh, you know it took a while for them to figure it out. But once they figured it out, okay, now the Apple Watch is like the only watch in the freaking smart smartwatch industry, basically. Um, you know, everything else has kind of fallen by the wayside, and no one's even trying anymore in that space. So they've completely dominated that space. Um, so even though, yeah, like you know, quote unquote, it was bad in the beginning. Um, Apple iterates and iterates, and they they figure this stuff out over time. And I, I feel like it's actually been a similar story with the iPad. It's just gone a bit slower than 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 maybe people would like. But at the same time, it's one of these things where it's hard to look at this as a tech nerd and uh, really do an honest evaluation of the impact that iPad has had. Something I point out all the time are all the places that iPad has gone that are just like totally not obvious to, to people. So we think purely in terms of you know consumption or creation. There's actually a whole lot of other things, right? Mm-hmm. So it helps, helps uh, kids with special needs with learning. Uh, it goes into point of sale environments. It goes into all sorts of uh, you know business scenarios that um, you know and all all sorts of things, right? There's just all these areas that iPad has gone into, uh, which are areas that were almost created by the iPad, and that that's where iPad is super interesting. Is all the places that iPad can go or the things that it can become 
um, that you could really kind of never do or no one would think to do with a desktop computer. And I think that I think that's where it's a pretty compelling product. Well, it just goes to show you that for the most part, tech pundits are idiots and they don't <laughs> right. have the imagination that a lot of just regular end users have. Um, you know, so and, and that's the thing. We just have to see how these th- sorts of things evolve over time. Um, you know, I, I think it's good overall. You know, I know a lot of people, like PC people, feel threatened by tablets, and tablet people feel threatened by PCs. Look, there's never been a better time to like computers. Totally. You know, um, I, I mean, like, I'll give you an example. Like, okay, so PC gaming. You know, I was real big into it ten years ago. And back then, everyone's like, well, it's dying. It's going to be dead. And so I built one anyway. And then, like, now, 10 years later, it's better than ever. There's more games than ever. There's more people making PC games. Uh, you can build a very good PC gaming system for under $500 and play all kinds of stuff on it. And uh, you can also go and buy a $300 iPad. I mean, none of that stuff's gone away. None of this stuff tends to go away. Yeah. Um, you, you have all the choices you want. Look, if you don't like the closed-down iOS world, that's fine. There's plenty of stuff in the Android world. There's plenty of stuff in the Chrome world. There's, there's uh, you can buy a Windows tablet if you wanted, and you can get those for you know a fairly inexpensive price now. You know all this fanboying and all this, uh, you know, your thing sucks. I'm better. All it's just stupid. You, you know, know just what? Apple, buy- you know what Apple should do every year when they introduce new iPads? They should just play that clip of Steve Jobs saying, you know, and people seem to be liking iPads. They should just play that <laughs> clip every time because realistically, people can bitch and they can moan all they want all day about things that the iPad isn't doing for them. And realistically, it's as Apple pointed out, it's a huge market. And um, singularly, it's the best selling PC, quote unquote. Right. And you know, don't call it a PC. Who fucking cares? It doesn't like the fact is that it's competing in that category. There's a whole bunch of people that are choosing an iPad over a PC. And just because it doesn't work for you, uh, it turns out you're actually fairly you're you're the niche market. Whereas for most regular people, an iPad actually gets get you know gets by just fine for like a huge set of tasks for people. It's super right. hard to keep that in mind, but it's like just look at the just look at the numbers. Just you know, take a look. It's like iPad is is has worked out and it's again people seem to be liking them and it's like they shouldn't stop stop making this thing like I think you get the sense in the tech community like the iPad has been some kind of failure and it couldn't be any further from the truth it's it's been a huge success it's kind of done exactly what it was positioned to do um it just didn't do it the way that tech pundits kind of imagined and this is something that, like, Steven Sanofsky kind of gets. I, he had a tweet storm about this, talking about, you know, how, you know, actually it does kind of make sense to to compete the iPad up, up against desktops. It's not a perfect comparison, but the point of doing it is to show the changing behaviors of of computer users. Um you know, and the, the but you're net like for people that for like where this is an issue where they've just you know stuck their feet in the sand and they're going to stay there and be totally stubborn. They're never going to change their minds. Uh, but meanwhile, reality passes them by, and the iPad, it turns out, is doing pretty darn well. Right, because most techies, I don't think, realize what normal people need. And you know, and the iPad is is ultimately, you know, it's. Sometimes I really chafe at how locked down it is, but at the same time, uh, while it detracts from the iPad as a professional machine, for someone like my mother, I don't, I never have to worry about her getting a virus. I never have to worry about her downloading the wrong thing. Um, You know, whatever 
I mean, the, the only malware really there is on the iPad is like obnoxious pop-ups and Safari pages, right? Totally, that, yeah. And those are really, I don't know why Apple doesn't block those. But, um, you know, other than that, you don't, there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, to here, I'm, gr- I'm going to make you happy by quoting Nine Inch Nails, a certain <laughs> happiness and slavery, so to speak. <laughs> I love it. Because, you know, yeah, the, the iOS world is sort of a fascist state, but hey, you know what? The trains run on time. <laughs> everything's real clean. <laughs> there is an episode titled, Josh, iOS is a fascist state. Um uh yeah no i i no i i hear you and uh, i i i totally agree and and the fact is that my dad is is you know and actually a, a lot of older folks let's 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 totally make tons of generalizations but like you know <laughs> a lot of older folks tend to tend to really love ipad and you couldn't pry it from their fingers if you tried like my my dad is at a point where it's like he really couldn't go to a desktop computer to save his life at this point because he's gotten so used to computing on an iPad. And I feel like that's actually true, not just of uh, older folks, but it's like, I think it's also true of a lot of uh, kids growing up and all this stuff. Like, like my mm-hmm. kids blow me away with what they can do on an iPad. Uh, but you give them a desktop computer and they're like, I don't even know what to do with this anymore. You know, like it, it's right. And th- that's the thing that's just totally not obvious. Uh, you know, just trying to, as a tech nerd it's just it's just it's never going to be obvious stuff yeah I'll, I'll be curious to see what like an office looks like in 20 years oh yeah when when I, cause my, my son's the same way he's he's great with an ipad now he, he has an interest in my computer like he likes to sit in my chair and put on the the headphones and tap the keyboard and stuff but he, he doesn't have a clue about what's going on meanwhile he can do everything on an ipad at five years old so um, yeah, I am curious. I, I wonder if these kids, I wonder if they're going to be faster typing on like a touch screen than they are with like an actual keyboard. Like, yeah. That seems ridiculous, but you know, it's a matter of what you've grown up with and what you have muscle memory for. Yeah. I feel like the, the direction, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but kind of related. I feel like the overall direction that computers are going is that you're going to see the big, big power tasks more and more sort of offset to services so you're going to see more and more automation i think at some point the things that you are going to be able to do from your phone and from your ipad are just going to be absolutely like inconceivable like all all these major computational tech like at some point maybe you will be able to code from your iphone or your ipad it's just not going to be necessarily compiling locally right there's all sorts of ways to think about these problems that are not super obvious um, unless you kind of step outside the box and look at look at it in terms of a time frame of like 10 20 years and i think that apple does think about things that way i don't think they think in, they, i don't think they think quarter to quarter i think they think in, t- in spans of time that are more like 5 years 10 years uh, you know in terms of how they how they map up map map out their uh, the products that they want to build and kind of the directions that they want to push to, and I think over time we're just going to see a lot more of these big power tasks sort of offset to the cloud or maybe to a closet. <laughs> maybe you'll have a closet. Everyone will have a closet in their house or they have a cube, and that cube does does all the power tasks. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, automates the home, compiles code if you're into that sort of thing, <laughs> renders video, whatever. But even more likely is that the stuff literally just gets offset to the cloud, as we're seeing, you know, more and more Google doing is like, you know, now your photos aren't even processed on the damn phone. They're going off into the cloud and, you know, being shot straight back to your phone. So... But we're already kind of there, right? Yeah, and I, I think I think uh, increasingly that's going to be kind of the direction the things go. And I think something like an iPad is more ready for that future than than a Mac. You know, but it doesn't mean that the Mac is going to go away. There's going to be a need for local power um, for the foreseeable future. But as for like the sizes of these markets, I think I think you know the. the you know, the phone is definitely always going to be bigger, and I think that uh, iPad stands a pretty good shot at, um, at at being a bigger category. And eventually, I think we're going to see competitors get serious about tablets again. Right now, it's kind of just a market of Apple and Microsoft, I guess. And Microsoft is tiny. Microsoft, relatively <laughs> speaking, is like the Mac in the early 2000s. And now Apple is Microsoft. It's kind of a crazy re role reversal situation. Yeah, we, we live in a weird time. Well, it's almost like Microsoft's trying to be Google in a lot of ways. Like, uh, So you've been using Windows 10. Doesn't Windows 10 remind you a lot of Android yeah. in a lot of ways? Like there's all this... Uh, this they call it telemetry. It's really just spyware, and there's all this like adware stuff. I'm just like, well, and you can use it without activating it. Like you can actually use Windows 10 for as long as you want. You never have to pay a dime for it. It's, it's very Google-like. It's uh, it's sort of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all yeah. It's um, my my experience with Windows 10 has basically been, this is really cool, but it's still. It's still Windows, like it's they just fundamentally it's still yeah. it's still built on on legacy. It, it's absolutely I think Windows ten is the best version of Windows I've ever used. Um, but ultimately, like when I go to install a game and I find that this DLL is missing or whatever, I'm just like, oh. uh, yeah, it, it's still the same the same shit basically um, that it's always been. Yeah, I set up Windows, uh, yeah, and there's some specific software I wanted to run on it, and I kept finding, oh, you need this DLL, and there was no, like, I had to f research and figure out, oh, you gotta install this package, you gotta install this package, I'm like, why doesn't this all just come in the operating system? Right, like, um, <laughs> so, like, the, the classic one is, like, you install Steam, and you go to install a bunch of games, and every single game that you go to install needs a different like runtime or it needs like a different right. you know oh you have to go install visual c plus plus whatever like what the hell does it even mean to the end user they have no idea right why right? is this not included if, if you need you need visual c plus plus for everything you need direct decks for a lot of stuff why isn't this stuff just built in just build it in yeah. i can understand in like an enterprise version having the option to strip that out but like for a consumer level like default install just give me everything i need to run the software yeah, <laughs> this is the stuff that's super hard to keep in mind when people try to do these direct comparisons between Mac and Windows to this day. Those fundamental differences are still the same as they ever have been. Uh, Windows is still basically pretty difficult to use in comparison mm -hmm. to using a Mac or using an iPad. And uh, the, this is ultimately like kind of my problem with the Surface is like, okay, it, it is super cool and i think microsoft is doing great work um but the fact is that their hardware reliability is nowhere near what apple's is 
Um, which so it, it becomes this funny thing where in the tech press, Apple's getting beaten up for their lack of innovation. But then you actually like start looking into like which computers are failing more. And I'm pretty sure like almost every Surface has had a massive uh, failure rate. You don't hear that. All you hear is that, uh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're leading the way and uh, their, their toaster fridge is awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the reality is it's like it's still it's pretty clunky to use. You still have all these problems that Windows has always had, but you just happen to have a touchscreen on top of it. Um, but the, like the fundamental problems haven't gone away, and, and Microsoft hasn't really reinvented the wheel. It's like an iPad, but a giant pain in the ass. Well, here's another point. So someone pointed out to me yesterday because I said, "Oh, well, you're going to get real Photoshop finally on an iPad and with a touch interface." And someone sent me a photo of them using, uh, you know, Photoshop on a Surface, and I'm like, "That's great," but realistically. Adobe itself knows that that's bullshit. And how do we know that Adobe knows that that's bullshit? Because they're they're totally re-architecting Photoshop from the ground up right now, specifically so that it can work better in touch environments, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Adobe is is no slouch, and um, they know their market pretty well. It's like if they're doing this, and there's a good chance that that Photoshop on a Surface is not a great experience today. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's interesting though is using Windows 10. Um, you, you know I'd forgotten there's a there's a very basic fundamental difference in in the UI between Mac and Windows, and and it's always been in the back of my head, but it really came forward recently because I found it super frustrating. And I remember when I switched from Windows to Mac, I found it super frustrating, and that is the philosophy of managing multiple windows. Right. So on on Windows, it's very much based around the the expected behavior is that you have a full screen window and then the start menu and then you switch between stuff in the taskbar. And in Windows 10, you actually have multiple desktops, which is nice. And, and on the Mac, it, it's always been the case that you have a bunch of windows on screen and you just kind of shift them all around. And so it's it's for that reason I think Windows 10 is actually a lot better suited for tablet use than mac os ever would be because that would be using a full screen app on the mac um is still kind of weird um at least for most apps it's definitely not the way it was originally envisioned to be used but that's very much the paradigm that windows is built on so oddly enough um after using windows 10 for a bit well you know what this actually does kind of work uh as a tablet os uh in in a certain way of course um it's a total Frankenstein of you know thirty year old technology. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a Microsoft's law thing. And for those unfamiliar with Microsoft's law, this is something that me and my buddy Dan came up with uh, years ago, which is essentially that um, you know always always look to Microsoft for the very best data on what's coming from someone else in a much better way. Like mm-hmm. Microsoft, it has a history of always being kind of first out the door either in um, R&D or in literal products. They're always kind of first out the door with things that are definitely coming down the pike. Um, And you can see it when when the thing comes out. Like the Surface, there's clearly something there. Um, Just like when they came out with uh, Zune Pass before everybody had subscription music, like clearly that that was the way that things were going to go. But like they just they just themselves don't ever quite nail it. And they're never the ones to actually get it 100 percent right. And I I feel like the Surface and Windows 10 are in that position right now where it's like, yes, these things kind of 
work. And, and Microsoft has definitely proven proof of concept that it can work um, okay. But they haven't shown that it can be great. And, and, and it feels like someone else is, is a situation where someone else is going to come along and, and show them kind of how to do this in the great way. Um, you know, the thing that comes to mind immediately is like pencil support on iPad versus the stylus that comes with a Surface. And it's, it's a, the experience of just using a pencil on an iPad is so much more consistent, works across the operating system, works across all of the different apps. Apps are su- are actually built for the pencil, you know. Whereas all this stuff is a little bit hacked on. Everything feels a little off with 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 Windows 10. Um, there's you know, and the apps are not updated half as often. You know, a lot of these drawing apps and and a lot of these uh, you know whatever. It's it's just uh, you know, my, Microsoft uh, fundamentally still has this problem where they tend to ship the concept as opposed to the product. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to think of that as the curse of jobs because back in the day they ripped off Apple with Windows and so ever since they, <laughs> they keep innovating and Apple just steals all the glory. Right. Like, that's what you get. That's what you get. You, you started off that way. Well, now you get it back, you know, for ge- for generations. Oh, well, right. Microsoft's got a lot of weirdness in Windows. Though. Like, like Windows now, there's like entire layers of Windows. Like, uh, you literally feel like you're like in a building that they've just been adding on to for the past 30 years and get down the basement and it's all like velvet curtains and stuff. Like, yeah. it's, like you're in the 60s. Like, like uh, there are parts of Windows you can get into where like, oh, wow, this is 1995. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's somewhere Bob Microsoft Bob is still under the surface. <laughs> You're gonna see that little dog somewhere, uh, bar- buried in a DLL file somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So anyway, uh, I, I think that's basically a show. Uh, is there anything else? Anything else you want to talk about, Josh? Oh, uh, you know, for this show, no, nah, we, we, we can save the uh, the esoteric hippie stuff for, for another episode. Fantastic. So, cool. We, we, we did it. We did a more tech-geared uh, episode than has happened probably in about 15 episodes. So, yeah. uh, fantastic. I hope you're all happy now. <laughs> I hope everybody's here. We're giving you what you want. There you go. <laughs> uh and uh yeah so where where can people find more of your work josh centers uh well i've I've been making uh, some youtube videos lately just look up yes everyone should definitely check those out yes like and subscribe and and please give me attention and uh my articles (laughs) you can go to tidbits.com uh post articles up there or at least edit them and uh uh TakeControlBooks.com. That's where you can buy my books like uh, Take Control of iOS 12 and Take Control of Apple Home Automation. And uh, if you're really brave, you can follow me on Twitter for the people who still use that. And I am Jay Centers on there. Perfect. All right, Josh. Thank you for coming on the show. And I will uh, talk to you later. Cheers. All right. Thanks for having me, Zach.